640, more stimulating talk. Mo Kelly here and for Gary and Shannon, both today and tomorrow. And I appreciate you sitting with me as we have this conversation. Twitter is blowing up at Mr. Mo Kelly. You keep telling me everything you want me to know. Come on, bring it, bring it, bring it. Now it's time for What's Trending. Time for What's Happening. If you've been listening in the past hour or so, I was having a conversation with Justin Worsham, host of the Dad Podcast, and we strayed into the realm of guns for a moment. Somehow we got there because we were talking about parenthood and protecting our children and how guns may play a role in how we fear the dangers awaiting our children out in the world in school and beyond. Well, it takes me to this top trending story of how Florida lawmakers have sent a gun control bill to the governor, Rick Scott, and it includes a plan to arm teachers. And this would be the first gun control measure in 22 years in Florida, and it passed on a 67 to 50 vote yesterday. The measure also creates a school marshal program to arm classroom teachers And it comes, of course, three weeks after the Parkland High School shooting in which 17 people were killed. According to Governor Scott, he wants more school resource officers instead of teachers with guns. Well, yeah, so do I. I personally don't want teachers with guns. I think about my teachers, uh, Miss Thompson, first grade, very nice woman. I think she was crazy then, and I'm pretty sure she's crazy now looking back. Miss Cochran, she was a hard ass, but I don't want her with the 357. Or even a Glock. Third grade was Miss Pennington. <laughs> Brilliant teacher. Very nice. I don't want her to make life and death decisions. Of course, this was mid-1970s. But I, I can only think about my teachers. Mr. Crumley, yeah, he probably was packing and just didn't tell anyone. He was from Oklahoma. He was a hard ass. I'm, I'm quite sure he had a gun somewhere in that classroom and didn't tell anyone. Miss Traver, fifth grade, nah, nah. And, of course, we had different teachers when we went to middle school. But my point is this. I am not against having a marshal or a resource officer. Many of our high schools have that right now. They have L.A. uh, School District police officers, which is a function of LAPD, patrolling our schools, oftentimes stationing an officer on campus all day, every day. But here's the problem with what Florida is proposing as it relates to the Parkland shooting. They had a school resource officer on site with a gun. They had deputies who arrived on scene with guns and didn't go in. We're missing the elephant in the middle of the room. And I'm going to use Southern California as the comparison point. If you're old enough to remember, you probably remember the North Hollywood Bank shootout, which was 21 years ago, I think almost to the day, February 28th, 21 years ago. The police were not outmanned. They were outgunned. And the bank robbers had a variant of an AK-47. What did the police do? They basically had to stand down until they could appropriate some AR-15s from a nearby gun store, meaning... The weapon of choice in these mass shootings still puts law enforcement or an armed teacher 
or a school resource marshal at a completely un, in a completely untenable position. They are outgunned. Period. That's why the AR-15 has to go. I'm going to get off my soapbox. Also, what's trending? John Favreau. You know him from Iron Man. He was the director of Iron Man, and also he plays Happy in Iron Man. He's going to executive produce a live-action Star Wars series. And before you laugh at that or poo-poo it, he is also and already connected to the Star Wars franchise. He's played roles in Star Wars The Clone Wars. If you've watched it, it's an animated series. It's very good. You ought to go see it. And also, he plays a role in the upcoming Solo, a Star Wars story, talking about Han Solo when he was growing up. Meaning, he's a Star Wars fanatic, probably like you and me. Well, I used to be a Star Wars fanatic. After that abysmal abomination called The Last Jedi, I don't know. I don't know. I was having a conversation with Nick, who's producing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Nick? Yes. I don't think I'm going to go see Star Wars Episode Nine. Yeah, I don't know. I, they, they took everything out that I was looking forward to. They kind of everything and everyone. A, a, <laughs> a grinding halt, and now I, I don't know what to do next. I don't know where it, where it goes next. I just I have no idea what what to look forward to. And I would wonder, going back to John Favreau and this live action series, are we going to go back into the original trilogies, or are we going to do expanded stories? With totally to the, new people, right? With yeah. the new trilogy. Well, and then and then don't and don't forget now. Ryan Johnson is supposed to get his own trilogy too. Yeah, so there is going to be a lot of content uh, I'm in the coming years. I'm boycotting all things Ryan Johnson. I don't believe he actually <laughs> even watched any of the Star Wars movies before doing that piece of junk. <laughs> Snapchat for those of you out there who are in the tech world, and we'll be speaking with uh, our tech expert in the coming hour. Snap. If you're familiar with Snapchat, Snap, the company behind it, is going to lay off 100 engineers. What first jumped in my mind, they had 100 engineers to begin with? No, they had 1,000 engineers. This is not a hardware company per se. This is all about software. And they had 1,000 engineers. 1,000. You know what they should do? Keep every single one of them and fix that awful update that they just uh, did. They principally only have one app. Ugh. But but here's the thing, and I'm going to tie this into the whole tariff discussion before we go to break. If this tariff that President Trump is proposing will help save and protect the American worker as it relates to steel jobs, and let's say it opens up a plant or two, what, 400, 500 workers? Can't we see the forest for the trees where our economy is moving? You have a a, 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 a company like Snap, which employs 1,000, well, actually 900 now. There's Nine, a lot of content on Snap, so I can see how they could have that many people on board. But 900 engineers, we're, we're talking about just developing the platforms mm-hmm. for all this content. What does that tell you where our economy has already moved to? What types of jobs are we really going to be able to save Five, ten years from now. But that's why people, like teachers, officials, parents, that's why folks should encourage kids to get more STEM jobs. Hello? That's, yeah. <laughs> because that's where our future is headed. You're that right. It is. This is the Gary and Shannon Show. Mo Kelly in for Gary and Shannon. And when we come back, I'm going to tell you about maybe 15 to 17 things that are going to be shocking to you that you never knew about the foods that you love. Oh, my. 
640, more stimulating talk. This is the Gary and Shannon Show. I'm Mo Kelly. And for Gary and Shannon, both today and tomorrow, presently we are waiting for the president to speak. I guess he's going to possibly sign into law these new tariffs. Some people are afraid of a trade war ensuing. We'll find out what happens if and when the president speaks during the program. We will go to him straight away. But in the meantime, let me just make you sick to your stomach. Or maybe you already were sick to your stomach. I'm going to give you some other reason. A little background. My wife, she used to work for this company, I guess I could say the name, called Ecolab. And Ecolab, she would go into various food businesses. It could be like a cafeteria or it could be a restaurant or any place which would serve food. And she would assess what they need to do to get that grade letter of an A in a window. Hey, you can't put that food on the floor. That is a health hazard and so forth. And the things that she said that she saw made me sick to my stomach. In other words, if you knew what I knew, you probably would never want to go into a restaurant ever again, ever, because you know too much. This story, I'm telling you right now, if you happen to like food or if you happen to like eating, you may want to turn off the radio right now, but I know you're not because you just want to know. I'm a little worried because I can't turn off my radio. I can't step out of this news booth. Well, this may... <laughs> I love food. You better hope the president interrupts me. Here are 17 <laughs> shocking things you never knew about your favorite foods. Oh. We're going to start off real gingerly, okay? Going to make it easy. Green gummy bears are actually strawberry flavored. Oh, wait a second. I knew that. Wait, why is this going to turn me off? Because that sounds delightful. It's going to get much worse. Okay. All right. Haribo gummy bears. Yes, they are strawberry. Bananas are actually berries, but strawberries aren't. Hmm. Now it goes sideways. It goes left. A typical jar of peanut butter contains 10 or more rodent hairs. Averaging. Averaging. One or more rodent hairs per 100 grams. Ugh, no. (laughs) Oh, it gets much worse. In addition to those rodent hairs, the average jar of peanut butter may contain hundreds of insect fragments. Where do they make peanut butter, and why is it so disgusting? I guess it's peanuts in the ground, and, you know, rodents come up with it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but don't they have to mix it? Oh, never mind. You know what? Never mind. I don't even know. You want me to keep going? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Most figs contain the bodies of dead wasps. Don't like figs. All good with that one. Okay. All right. How about vanilla flavoring? Oh, no. Go ahead. Go Beavers on. have an anal sac. <laughs> Should I just stop there? <laughs> that produces castorium, which has been used in popular food and beverages, such as a substitute for vanilla flavoring. Mm. Okay. For every one half cup of tomato sauce. This is according to BuzzFeed, so take it for what it's worth. For every one half cup of tomato sauce, there may be 30 or more fly eggs included. If you like pasta like me, just deal with it. I'm still on board with all of these so far. Well, yeah, my thing is so... I I guess I never lied to myself enough to think that it was (laughs) clean, pure tomatoes the entire time. Right. It's still nasty, though. It is nasty. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's better not knowing. Right. Canned tuna may contain bones. Okay. It's that a seems, fish. Yeah, yeah, that seems <laughs> logical. Mm-hmm. For every glass of water you drink, 
there's nearly, nearly a 100% chance that a portion of it has been peed out by a dinosaur. <laughs> That's kind of cool. That yeah. is a cool fact. <laughs> Recycle. Apple seeds and cherry pits are toxic. They release cyanide when metabolized and can kill you if you eat enough of them. It's good to know. Yeah. Per FDA standards, a single cup of most canned citrus fruit juices is allowed, allowed to contain up to one maggot or five (laughs) fruit fly eggs. Do they have a choice? You can have one. You can have you one, can have one maggot or five fruit, but you can't have both, right? So you I couldn't guess, have a maggot yeah, and then five four, eggs. I feel like I'd okay, rather yeah. eat the fruit flies. The eggs? Oh, yeah, right. the fruit fly eggs. Yeah. Just protein. You can way. have one maggot, which is outside of the egg. So, yeah. most sugar is actually bleached with bone char from animals. Okay, that's kind of cool. This white color. Yeah, that is kind of cool too. Yeah. Beetles are crushed up to produce a dye that makes all of your favorite candies red. Oh. Okay. And the last one before we go to break, and this will be the last one. <laughs> and according to several cannibals, dot, cannibals. dot, dot. <laughs> Who did they survey for this? I don't know. It's BuzzFeed. Okay. Human meat tastes very similar to pork. Not chicken. I've heard that a lot, actually. I've From heard, who, Blake? You talk to cannibals? TVs, <laughs> movies, you know all those things. I could do one better. Yes, and this may gross you out. For those who know me, know that I have a fraternity brand on my arm. Yes. Omega Sci-Fi. Oh, you told me this, yeah. Uh-oh. It's done with an actual iron. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. When they were doing it, it smelled like bacon. Oh, no my lie. God. Does, no lie. Does that make the pain less? N- no, but I was so amped up. I wasn't on alcohol or drugs or anything, but I was so amped up. I did. It was fine. Uh, amped up I was, on fraternization. I, yeah, I was. I was a wild child back in the day. Okay, <laughs> but that's a different story for another day. <laughs> this is the Gary and Shannon show. I'm Mo Kelly in for Gary and Shannon. So, anyone hungry? This is perfect time. It's the lunch hour. KFI AM six forty. Drain the swamp. We're gonna drain the swamp of Washington. We're gonna have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. We seem to be just minutes away from the president speaking. President Trump is going to sign new tariffs regarding, obviously, the import of aluminum and steel. I'm Mo Kelly in for Gary and Shannon. This is the Gary and Shannon Show. The, the truest way to figure out whether this was a good or bad idea is to see whether this inhibits the president from fulfilling the rest of his domestic agenda. In other words, you have some 435 people who will be running for Congress in November. They are going to be looking out for their own self-interest as politicians and their respective districts. This is not going to be popular in everyone's district. It just will not be. It will be interesting to see how members of Congress, both Democrat and Republican, respond to this. If you've been listening since the beginning of the the show at around 10 o'clock, I was telling you how 107 members of Congress, all Republican, sent a letter to the president expressing their concern and urging the president not to move forward, at least in this manner, in the short term, 
with implementing these tariffs. I imagine that they will they will continue to express that sentiment. And what happens between now and the midterm remains to be seen in terms of whether they run to or whether they run away from the president. That's the first thing I would look for. Secondly, I would look for, I would say, not the immediate reaction, but the next month or so, the reaction of the stock market in terms of investment fears, how Wall Street feels about this, whether banks are going to lend money and so forth, whether the Fed raises the interest rates. All these things work together in terms of helping to determine the relative health of our economy. Watch that as well. Because if that goes south, it makes it then virtually impossible for the president to get anything done. The president is going to have his way on these tariffs against the better judgment, I guess, of some of his economic advisors. His chief economic advisor, Cohn, has resigned against the advice of many members of his Republican caucus. This is all on President Trump. And right now, we'll go to him. Aluminum workers, and you are truly the backbone of America. You know that. Very special people. I've known you and people that are very closely related to you for a long time. You know that. I think it's probably the reason I'm here. So I want to thank you. I also want to thank Secretary Mnuchin, Ambassador Lighthizer, Secretary Ross, Peter Navarro, Mike Pence, our great vice president. They've worked so hard on getting this going and getting it done. And people are starting to realize how important it is. We have to protect and build our steel and aluminum industries, while at the same time showing great flexibility and cooperation toward those that are really friends of ours, both on a trade basis and a military basis. A strong steel and aluminum industry are vital to our national security, absolutely vital. Steel is steel. You don't have steel, you don't have a country. Our industries have been targeted for years and years, decades, in fact, by unfair foreign trade practices leading to the shuttered plants and mills, the laying off of millions of workers, and the decimation of entire communities. And that's going to stop, right? It's going to stop. This is not merely an economic disaster, but it's a security disaster. We want to build our ships. We want to build our planes. We want to build our military equipment with steel, with aluminum from our country. And now we're finally taking action to correct this long overdue problem. It's a travesty. Today, I'm defending America's national security by placing tariffs on foreign imports of steel and aluminum. We will have a 25% tariff on foreign steel and a 10% tariff on foreign aluminum when the product comes across our borders. It's a process called dumping. And they dumped more than at any time on any nation anywhere in the world. And it drove our plants out of business. It drove our factories out of business. And we want a lot of steel coming into our country. But we want it to be fair. 
and we want our workers to be protected, and we want, frankly, our companies to be protected. By contrast, we will not place any new tax on product made in the USA. So there's no tax if a product is made in the USA. You don't want to pay tax? Bring your plan to the USA. There's no tax, which we will benefit from the massive tax cuts that we have in place. We have passed the largest tax cut plan in the country's history, and that has caused really tremendous success between that and regulation cutting, and I think maybe regulation cutting every bit as much. And we have a long way to go on regulations, but we've already cut more than any president in history. So we're urging all companies to buy American. That's what we want, buy American. The action that I'm taking today follows a nine-month investigation by the Department of Commerce, Secretary Ross, documenting a growing crisis in our steel and aluminum production that threatens the security of our nation and also is bad for us economically and with jobs. The American steel aluminum industry has been ravaged by aggressive foreign trade practices. It's really an assault on our country. It's been an assault. They know better than anybody. Other countries have added production capacity that far exceeds demand and flooded the world market with cheap metal that is subsidized by foreign governments, creating jobs for their country and taking away jobs from our country. I've been talking about this for a long time, a lot longer than my political career. I've been talking about this for many years. For example, it takes China about one month to produce as much steel as they produce in the United States in an entire year because we've closed down so much capacity. Plants closed all over the United States, and some plants I see massive plants from 40 years ago, and they're working now in a little corner of the building. Well, we're going to get those buildings open again and producing again. And that's going to be a great thing for our country. And this is only the first stop. Aluminum imports now account for more than 90 percent of the primary American demand. Over the last two decades, nearly two-thirds of American raw steel companies have gone out of business. More than one-third of the steel jobs have disappeared. Six primary aluminum smelters, which is a big deal, have permanently shut down since just 2012. The actions we're taking today are not a matter of choice. They're a matter of necessity for our security. We're already seeing the national security benefits of this order. Yesterday, in anticipation that we'd be here today, U.S. Steel announced it's reopening a mill in Illinois, a big one, and recalling 500 workers immediately. That's going on all over the country. And by the way, it went on with solar panels, which we did three months ago, and washing machines, where they were dumping washing machines all over our country. And now they're expanding plants to make washing machines. We put the tax on. A lot of you are here. A skilled, trained workforce in steel is a crucial element of America's national security and must be protected. After the signing of this proclamation, Century Aluminum in Kentucky, Century is a great company, 
will be investing over $100 million to restart and upgrade their idled, military-grade, high-quality aluminum production, which is also critically important to our national security. That's 150,000 additional tons of aluminum. And think of it. This is a closed plant, and now they're doing 150,000 tons. Production and an additional 300 workers, and ultimately many more hired in the great state of Kentucky. A package of sometimes $90,000 per worker. Our greatest presidents all understood, from Washington to Lincoln to Jackson to Teddy Roosevelt, that America must have a strong, vibrant, and independent manufacturing base. Has to have it. President McKinley, who felt very, very strongly about this, the country was very, very successful. We actually operated out of cash flow, if you can believe it. The protective tariff policy of the Republicans, he said, has made the lives of masses of our countrymen sweeter and brighter and brighter and brighter. It is the best for our citizenship and our civilization, and it opens up a higher and better destiny for our people. Many politicians lamented the decline of our once proud industries, and many countries denounced global excess capacity. But no one took action. All of our politicians, they saw what was happening to our country. I've seen it for 25 years, I've been talking about it. Talked about Japan, talked about China. But the politicians never did anything about it. But now they are. Our factories were left to rot and to rust all over the place. Thriving communities turned into ghost towns. You guys know that, right? Not any longer. The workers who poured their souls into building this great nation were betrayed. But that betrayal is now over. I'm delivering on a promise I made during the campaign, and I've been making it for a good part of my life. If I ever did this, I never really thought I would. I said, let's run for president, and look what happened. And part of the reason it happened is you and my message having to do with you and other messages also. Security, military, the wall, the border, a lot of good messages. But this was one of the most important. My most important job is to keep American people safe. And as you know, we just had approved a $700 billion military budget, the largest ever, $716 billion next year. That means not only safety, but it means jobs. It also means the use of steel from our country. But if the same goals can be accomplished by other means, America will remain open to modifying or removing the tariffs for individual nations, as long as we can agree on a way to ensure that their products no longer threaten our security. So I've put Ambassador Lighthizer, great gentleman, in charge of negotiating with countries that seek an alternative to the steel and aluminum tariffs. The fact is, we've been treating, really, I mean, we've been treated so badly over the years by other countries. I think, really, we've been treated very badly by our politicians, by our presidents, by people that represented us that didn't, frankly, know what they were doing. And we lose $800 billion a year on trade. 
Every year, 800 billion. It's been going on for a long time. 300 billion, 400 billion, 500 billion. Got up to 600 billion. And it keeps going, but it's going to start changing. Has to change. We're negotiating now with China. We're in the midst of a big negotiation. I don't know that anything's going to come of it. They have been very helpful. President Xi, I have great respect for. A lot of respect. But I don't know that anything's going to come of that. But uh, we're going to cut down the, the deficits one way or the other. We have a deficit with China of at least $500 billion. And when you add intellectual property, it's much higher than that. That's a year. At the same time, due to the unique nature of our relationship with Canada and Mexico, we're negotiating right now NAFTA. And we're going to hold off the tariff on those two countries to see whether or not we're able to make the deal on NAFTA. National security, very important aspect of that deal. And if we're making the deal on NAFTA, this will figure into the deal and we won't have the tariffs on Canada or Mexico. If we don't make the deal... You are listening to the president, President Trump, as he is going to sign in his new tariffs. President Trump said that aluminum imports will be taxed at a rate of 10% and steel imports 25%. If you are listening to his remarks, he was very specific and explicit in terms of tying these tariffs and the need for them to national security. He explicitly mentioned the $700 billion military budget, which he's instituted, and how this, at least in terms of what he believes, is part of that. Our steel production, our president says, is connected to our national security. It's connected to our economic security. I'm not so sure that I buy either of those, but that's the message that the president was giving today. He says that uh, increasing the U.S. production of steel will not only bring back jobs, but is connected to our national security interests in terms of building uh, um, instruments that the military would use. He said that we've been, been taken advantage of for many years in terms of China and also steel imports as far as them dumping steel and having American manufacturers using this cheapened steel at the expense of American workers and also American trade. But that also disregards the fact that President Trump, as private citizen Trump, was a big beneficiary of Chinese steel and used Chinese steel in many of his construction projects. You don't have to take my word for it. That's just out there. Everyone knows that. So I think he's playing both sides of the fence here. When he was a, a private citizen, he was just fine with the cheap Chinese steel when it suited his interests. And now what suits his political interests is somewhat different. I understand the need for having steel as part of a strong economy in terms of manufacturing jobs. But I think we're not being honest in terms of the world economy. I did notice at the end he very quickly glossed over as far as what countries would be directly impacted, and he said it was contingent upon whether he could renegotiate NAFTA, whether these tariffs would apply to both Canada and Mexico. That's hedging his bet so the stock market won't go crazy 
and also economic investors and prognosticators won't get concerned because there's a fear that we're now on the verge of a trade war. The reason, because the, the European Union has already said, point blank, remember in his remarks he said nothing about Europe. So as far as I know, Europe is of the same stance. The European Union has said that they're going to respond in kind. In other words, since America is going to be taxing the imports of steel and so forth into the country, well, the European Union is going to do the same to our exports, their imports. In other words, U.S. imports coming into Europe, which may be steel, which may be aluminum, which may be other products. Those are the things which are unforeseen, unintended consequences here. Yes, we get to decide what we're going to place tariffs on as far as imports, but they get to to decide as well. And that has untold consequences overall. We don't get to pick and choose how the world will respond. Now, Canada and Mexico, since they are our neighbors, I agree you have to do that. Uh, You have to tread lightly with the neighbors because there's much more at stake. And this goes back to my preceding remarks where – The president could have laid this out in a much more organized fashion. All this has come together in a matter of days without the support of Congress, his own congressional members, without the support of many within his administration, if you believe published reports. And he's doing this all on his own. It doesn't mean that there's going to be a negative result, but he's not necessarily giving himself the best opportunity at success and making sure that he has the full backing of the United States government, those within his party even, and also making sure that this is not going to be received in such a very negative negative fashion by those in the world community. But again, this is what he promised. This is what people voted for. He said he was going to do things specifically for American businesses He says he was, or I should say he said he was going to bring back steel manufacturing. He may, he may, but this is in concert with that. Might it have unforeseen circumstances and and consequences on our economy? Might it slow our growth? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the concern. It might be nice to bring back one or two steel mills, But that doesn't mean that the rest of the economy is going to fare well. I'm always cautious when you have these big unilateral declarations, proclamations, executive actions, because although you may feel you're helping one industry, you may negatively affect other industries. And if you happen to be watching TV, he's bringing up different steel workers and people who would be supportive of this measure. And let's not lose sight of the politics. There's a big special election going on in days in what state? Pennsylvania. Never lose sight. Even though the president says he's not playing politics, yes, he is most absolutely playing politics. Now, you may like the politics that he's playing, but he's most definitely playing politics. How this is going to turn out, as I said, Watch the stock market, not in the next week, but in the next month. Because in the next month, we'll know how Europe is going to respond. We'll know how China is going to respond. We'll know how the world is going to respond. And not just in terms of steel or aluminum exports in which we're sending out, 
but also other trade items. In other words, will they try to then demonize other products which are essential exports of the United States? If that happens, then it is no longer within the control of the president, and then our economy is at greater risk. We'll see what happens. I will take a wait-and-see approach. I don't necessarily agree with the tariffs because I can look at recent history when previous presidents did try to do exactly this to preserve not only the automotive industry, but the steel industry before. And it had negative effects on not only those specific industries, but unrelated industries. We'll see what happens. This is the Gary and Shannon show. Mo Kelly in for Gary and Shannon. KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk.